The following audio is from White River Christian Church. More information about White River is available on the WRCC mobile app or at wrcc.org. Well, good morning, White River Christian Church. How are y'all today? Are, are you though? Are you really good? Are you, are you great? Because a lot of times we, we say that, right? I was just telling someone in the lobby, um, I, I learned a line that maybe is, is more appropriate, mostly good. So if you've come in here today and you are good, you really are great, that's fantastic. Praise God for that. If you're not, you're in the right place. It's okay. We want this to be a safe place for, for it to be a place where we can be real. You might not tell everybody all your stuff, but I hope you have some people here that uh, are like family or maybe even closer than some people in our family that, that maybe you can't share everything. But people here, I hope you find some people that you can really connect with and, and be real and uh, kind of get rid of a, a fake plastic face that we all have sometimes with that smile plastered on. And, and God brings us joy. We wouldn't experience that. We wouldn't be real with each other as well today. So uh, let's, let's practice that and experience that uh, as we interact with each other in the lobby and uh, as we get ready to go into worship at different times. Hey, uh, most of you know I'm from Michigan. And most of you know that I had a three-wheeler. Right? I've shared a little bit about that before. A three-wheeler is basically a motorcycle with three big balloon tires. Mine had no suspension. And uh, rightfully so, the federal government banned them shortly after producing them. A lot of you heard the story I told when I hit my neighbor's brick house. Okay, well, I used to take those with uh, three-wheeler buddies of mine and dune buggy buddies of mine. We'd go in the farm fields of Michigan after a good rain. And it's amazing how much mud you can rain down on a good friend when you swing that back end around and just shower this rainbow of mud on the guy that's trying to do the same thing to you. Well, my dad used to say in sports, um, when things didn't go very well, he would say, well, Fred, he said, you win some, you lose some. Well, after a rather agonizing defeat at this all-out mud war out in the farm field one time, I came home covered in head to toe in mud. And uh, I no sooner started walking toward our, our back stairs in my back house to go into the house, put my foot on the first step. And I don't know how your moms were or, or how you, my mom knew everything. She always knew when I was up to something, probably because I was up to something kind of a lot. So I'm setting my foot on there, the door opens, and she's got fire in her eyes, and she's looking at me. She says, Fred Noel, are you crazy? I said, you take those clothes off right now before you come into our house. So as a middle school boy, we're out in the country, so there's not neighbors, you know, too close. But still, when you're in broad daylight, and you got you to gotta strip down to your tidy whities you got muddy clothes in your hand, yeah, that's, that's not cool. So I did get to go into the house, but... Uh, Using verbiage from a, a psalm we're going to look at in just a minute. Who may ascend the stairs into my mother's house? He who has clean clothes is not covered in mud from head to toe. So we serve a holy God. And the truth is, we're all covered in the filth of sin from head to toe. How can we, how can we approach this holy God? Did my mom not want me to come back into the house? No, of course she did. Of course she did. But something had to happen to me first before I could come into the house. And, and I want to look at a psalm today as the psalmist, as David really unpacks this holy, amazing God that we serve. And how, how do we approach this God? If you've been with us in this series called It's Personal, we're wrapping that up today. And we serve a God that is deeply personal. And he desires a vibrant and active relationship with every single one of us. So if you've been with us, You've learned that we serve a God who is a comforter. He's a counselor. He's our refuge. He's our king. 
He is the creator. He's an amazing God. If you don't have a reading plan to go through the Psalms, there's one at our guest services. And uh, it's got a schedule where you can read a Psalm every day until the end of the year. And I encourage you to get that. Many of you probably got this, this Psalm journal where there's pages on the right where you can write down some notes and are going through that with us. And I encourage you to continue doing that. So before we jump into the Psalm for today, I just ask that you bow your heads with me as uh, we approach this Almighty God. And then we'll jump into the text. Great and good Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for being the Almighty God. Lord, we, we don't deserve to come into your presence. You are so good to us, the Almighty Creator, and yet we can, we can ascend the hill somehow, in some way. You accept us and you draw close to us. We just thank you, express gratitude today. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you speak through the words in scripture today. You speak through me. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would just simply be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Praise in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are in Psalm 24 today. So if you have your journal, if you have a phone, um, go ahead and turn to that. Every time I read in Psalm 24 today, it'll be in the English Standard Version. Other scripture will be in the New Living Translation. So I do have some other verses I'll be reading. Um, the, the Bibles in the pews are New Living Translation. Um, you can grab those. When I have other scripture, you can follow along. Otherwise, you can follow along on your phone. But Psalm 24, 1 and 2 in the English Standard Version says this. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. First thing I want us to recognize is my God owns everything. He owns everything because he made it. If you make something, it's yours, you own it. So whether we recognize it or not, God made us, he made everything there is, and he owns us. You know, we know some people in our culture that own a lot of stuff. Maybe you heard recently that Elon Musk is, is backing out of his contract with Twitter, a $44 billion contract. Yeah, the shareholders are not, are not very excited about that. But I thought, if he's got a contract for Twitter for $44 billion, what, what is this guy worth? $265 billion and some change. So the change is like 0.6, which is $600 billion. So I don't know if he's losing a whole lot of sleep over this $44 billion contract or not, but that's a lot of change. Queen Elizabeth II, her funeral is tomorrow. Anybody invited? I was not. You might be surprised. Fred Knoll's not invited to uh, the, the funeral. 500 dignitaries will be there. You realize that the, the word on the street is that she owns the most real estate of anybody on the planet. One-sixth of the earth is under her eminent domain or her ownership. Great Britain, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, 32 other regions, and Antarctica. That is a lot of real estate, one-sixth of the planet. Can you imagine? It's incredible. And yet, I want you to take a look at this image behind me. So I don't know if you all are familiar with the NASA James Webb Telescope, but I'm going to go Fred Nye, the science guy, and nerd out on it just, just for a second here. Uh, this is what's called the Cosmic Cliffs. 
And this is an image that this telescope was able to capture. Okay, also known the Carina Nebula. I wouldn't really know that, but I looked it up. That's the only reason I know. So these cliffs look like mountains, and it's cosmic dust. And they say that this telescope allows us to peer through there to a star-forming region where new stars are being formed and, and birthed, apparently. And this is just a, a fraction of what is out there. And so the tallest peaks on this picture here are seven light years tall. Now, maybe that just kind of blows my mind, but let me explain that in a minute. When you turn on a light, the room is just filled with light, right? You turn on lights to a stadium, the stadium, the entire parking lots are just filled with light, like right then. We don't often think about the speed of light, and that's okay. That's probably for weird people like me. But if you can imagine a light beam traveling for a full minute, how, how far would a light beam travel in a minute or a whole hour? How about an entire day, 365 days of this light beam just screaming along is a light year. That's one light year. And these things are seven light years tall. Can you imagine? Our God made that in four short words. Let there be light. So much more that we can't even see. On the other end of the spectrum, we have the result of what happened when my dog Mabel killed a ground squirrel, which I was very proud of her for doing that. She chases those things all day long and never catches them. So here's this dead animal in my yard. I picked this carcass up with a bag over my hand and put him in another bag. And I put him in a second bag and I tie it in a tight knot. And I don't really want to put it in my trash can in my garage because I don't want my garbage in my, my whole garage to smell like that. So I think I'll inconspicuously go to a gas station and put it in their trash outside because it's outside and they're going to dump it more than I would anyway, right? We're talking about being real. I want to have a full confession that that was my thought. So I got this thing in the bag. I put it next to my van. I started doing some chores. I'm back a couple hours later, and this thing is covered in squirming maggots. Oh, yeah. I had a, my son had a video, but I, I can't. I can't even show it. I grew up on the farm, and that was probably the most disgusting thing I've seen. So I know you want to know the rest of the story, right? How does it finish? So I don't, it's kind of a blur to me, but somehow I got this bag in the front yard. I got all the maggots off, had to clean the floor, and I did complete my secret mission by putting this in a big bag, and I did get to a gas station. I disposed of my little present, and I'm sure they dumped it, and no one ever noticed it. I'm sure it was fine. That's what we tell ourselves, right? The truth is, God made all that. He made the cosmic cliffs, just like that. He made the maggots, which are part of the most incredible cleanup crew that has ever been known to man. Without them, what would happen to all the, the death and decay on the earth? And he owns everything in between, the fullness thereof. The gold veins in mountains and in the dirt, why would he do that? Sapphires, rubies, diamonds, all the gems that are in the earth. He created all that. It's his, including us. Psalm 100 verse 3. Psalmist says, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. You know, I love the, the simplicity and the power of that. He made us, so we're his. It's not debatable. It's just truth. That's the way it is. Whether we recognize that or not, he made us and we are his. Now verse two says, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. 
How did he know that? David didn't have a globe. He didn't even know the world was round. How would he, how would he have known that, that the earth, the land, was founded upon the seas? He had Genesis. He would have seen rivers and the Mediterranean Sea, but he never would have seen an ocean. I think that's indication of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, showing him that, that the earth was founded upon the seas, upon water. Now, what's amazing with this God that created all this, unlike Queen Elizabeth II, do we have access to Queen Elizabeth II? Can, can we approach her? Have any of you ever met her? What does it take to get into the Buckingham Palace? 775 rooms. I was there once on a trip, and we weren't able to come anywhere close. Snipers on the roof, and there were helicopters over top. There were some things going on. And yet, we get to approach this God that owns everything. We have access to this God that owns absolutely everything. Let's continue taking a look at these verses. Look at Psalm 24, 3 through 6. It says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is a generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob, Selah. What I want us to get from this section is simply, my God is holy. My God is holy. Who can ascend that hill? Who can approach him? 1 Peter 1 verse 16 says, For you must be holy because I am holy. You must be holy because I am holy. What what does holy really mean? What, What does that word mean? Sacred, set apart, without blemish. God's not like you or I. He's not like any other person. He's perfect. How can we be like that? When he says clean hands and a pure heart, clean hands is talking about our actions. So I can fake my actions or, or sometimes be sincere. I mean, we can, we can look good. Pure heart is talking about our intentions, our motives. Boy, that goes deep. So often when we try to do good, good deeds and do the right thing, you know, what are our true intentions? What are our true motives? Would any of you volunteer to say that you're holy? Anybody want to step up and say, I am holy as God is holy? And then in verse 4, it says, Who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully? Which of us tells the whole story every time? Is truly honest and is willing to always admit our mistakes, to own that and to be real. Not too many people in the world that live like that. And yet, in James 4, verse 8, we hear this. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. So somehow we can approach this almighty God. We can approach this holy God by coming close to him. Scriptures promise us that he'll come close to us when we come close to him. And yet, we have to be holy. Then the same verbiage is in James here that we see In Psalm 24, wash your hands, you sinners. Our actions need to be clean. They need to be right before God. Purify your hearts. Talking about hands and hearts again. For your loyalty is divided 
between God and the world. And I just have to say, you're right. It is. My loyalty is divided between God and the world. I want what God wants. It's kind of like what Paul says in Romans 7. I don't do the very things I know I should do. And the bad things I don't want to do, I find myself doing those again and again. In Proverbs it says, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. I don't know about you, but I find myself in the same sin patterns over and over. I just, I just can't conquer this sin nature. So verse 5 is interesting. It says, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. We will receive righteousness from the God of his salvation. So God gives us his righteousness because he's the God of our salvation. We don't, we don't earn it. We can't produce it. We can only get it as a gift. So the truth is that we get to approach the God who is holy. We get to approach him. We get to go into his presence. How exactly do we do that? Look at those last few verses in just a minute, but there's an important word after verse six. It says Selah, which means take a break, take a breath, stop for a moment. So as I've been reading the Psalms, I've been trying to pay attention to that. And when that comes in in the middle of the scripture, I try not to just read it and keep going. So I want to practice that here today. We're going to just take a break right now. We're going to stop just for a little while. And I want you to think about the fact that we serve a God who is holy, that can speak and, and create the entire universe. And yet we get to approach him. If we have clean hands and clean hearts, I want you to just think about those things just for a moment. And then we're going to keep reading. Let's do that right now. Okay, let's keep reading verses 7 through 10. It says, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts? He is the King of glory. Selah. My God is the king of glory. My God not only owns everything, my God is not only holy, he is this king of glory. So what is it referring to when it talks about gates and, and doors and, and the king of glory coming in? You know, scholars and, and we all that are familiar with the Old Testament know that David was familiar with the Ark of the Covenant, this chest, this sacred furnishing that was in the tabernacle with the Israelites and it held the tablets of the Ten Commandments, It held the the jar of manna and different sacred items at times. And it not only represented the power of God, but there was true power that came with this. It was good positive power when Israelites had it, when the enemies had it, some terrible things happened. So we had the Ark of the Covenant and David danced just unashamedly. And it was a huge celebration as they moved this Ark of the Covenant into the tent and the gates were opened up and the doors were opened up as a king of glory represented by the Ark of the Covenant came in. Now, 
I believe, and, and scholars have written about this as well, that could also be under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that it represented the Ark of the Covenant coming into the temple that David's son Solomon built when they brought the Ark of the Covenant into that and it went into the Holy of Holies. Now, I believe that there's other situations that this can apply to. We think of Jesus when he rode into the city of Jerusalem. And scholars believe that the scripture is talking about Jerusalem being personified. The gates and the doors are opened up as Jesus comes into Jerusalem as a king of glory enters the gates and the doors of Jerusalem. And later that week, gives his life and dies for all of us on the cross and rises from the dead. After he died, rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven. And again, went into heaven. And the doors and the gates were opened up for the king of glory to come in. To make this personal, I believe each one of us has to open the gates and the doors of our heart to let the king of glory come into our heart. It's talked about with those same terms in Revelation 3 verse 20. It says, Lord, he says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. We will share a meal together as friends. This king of glory, the, the creator of all things, he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. Those of you that have accepted Jesus Christ, remember that time when you felt the Holy Spirit pricking your heart and you realize for the first time this, this God of the universe is real. This, just Jesus in the Bible, he really walked on this earth. He's, he's really God's son. He lived and, and he was sinless and he died for me and he knocked on your door. Those of you that are here that maybe have not yet accepted Jesus Christ or you don't understand what that means in terms of a real relationship with the God of the universe through accepting Jesus Christ. Maybe he's knocking on your door right now. And the king of glory is standing there, just waiting. He doesn't force himself into our lives. He stands and he waits. So verse 10 says, who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, mighty in battle. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. Jesus Christ is the king of glory. We get to approach the king of glory. And I want to do this together. You know, the only way we can approach God is through that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There, there is no other way. So I have a, a couple challenges for you today. But again, at the end of verse 10, it says Selah. So as you think about maybe that time in history when you realize for the first time that Jesus was God's son, even though it was so long ago, maybe, maybe that's faded. You feel like that relationship has, has gotten lukewarm. You've never made that decision. You've never consciously decided, yes, I do believe that Jesus is God's son. And that's what the Bible teaches for salvation and forgiveness of sins, to have a relationship with God the Father. I want you to take some time again, just take a brief moment, and just think about this king of glory. If he has true ownership of your heart, it's the only way that we can approach this God of the universe is by having a relationship with Jesus Christ first. So I want to follow the importance of that term Selah. And again, just take a minute before I move into a couple challenges I want to give you to wrap this up. Let's take that time right now.
Well, five minutes in ministry, a little over 23 years ago, I had a colleague of mine, a fellow engineer, and I was talking to him about the youth ministry role being open here for the, the third time in a pretty short period of time and, and just telling him I was wrestling with uh, considering applying for that. And he said, well, that, that's a serious step, Fred, if you feel called to full-time ministry. So that's a huge responsibility. Have you been on your knees? And I said, well, you mean praying? Yeah, I've been praying. My wife and I are praying. And I said, do you mean like physically? He said, yeah, physically on your knees. Have you been on your knees? He said, I don't know if God speaks more clearly, if I just listen better. But when I humble myself in that physical position, I just feel like I hear God speaking to me and whispering to my heart in a clear way. And he said, take time. Jesus took 40 days in the wilderness before he went into his ministry. So I hung up, made good sense to me. So I took out a calendar, I circled 40 days, and I started getting on my knees every day. And I'm telling you, I heard more clearly from God, never heard an audible voice, but through his word, through the Holy Spirit, through people, through circumstances, time and time again. It's not because I'm holy, it's because I'm not that I need it. But I was on my knees several times, preparing for this message. I was on my knees with one of your other pastors in a conference room earlier this week. I desperately need to humble myself in whatever way I can. So I want to challenge you all, one time this week, get physically on your knees if you're able. Just one time. That's the challenge. Maybe it's after church today when you go home. Maybe it's tomorrow morning. And uh, I just wonder if you do that one time, and understand that humble position and how that just, that posture humbles our hearts. Maybe God will lead you to continue making that a practice in your life. If you connect with God in a deeper way, I encourage you to do that. To take another step, I want to do that right now. Right here. Any of you that are able and willing, I want you to follow me. We are right now. I'm going to get on my knees on the stage and we're going to pray. If you're not able, totally understand, don't want anybody to feel coerced or feel obligated. But I want us to be on our knees and approach this God that owns everything, this holy God, the King of glory. God in heaven, we just come humbly before you. Not because of who we are or anything that we've done, oh Lord. But only because of what Jesus has done. Lord, it's only through relationship with Jesus Christ that we can come before you today. Dear God, we thank you and we recognize that you spoke and created everything, that you own everything, including us, because you made us. We recognize that you're holy and we are not. God, thank you that you put the righteousness of Jesus on us so that we can ascend the hill, Lord. We can stand in that holy place with you that when we draw near to you, you do draw near to us. We praise the King of glory. Father, I pray you continue just humble our hearts and draw us near to you as we seek you every day. Praise in Jesus' name, amen.